What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. The Denver Nuggets win a very modern and 90s-style uh, game against the um, uh, Phoenix Suns in uh, a game that was unusual for a, a many, many different reasons um and I'm, i know there's going to be some Suns fans who li- listen to this so um i'm going to be talking about what happened in the game what i saw in the game what there there were some things that the Suns did that the nuggets need to adjust to uh there were some things that the nuggets did that were just like that the, the Suns, no matter what they did and what they do in this series can't account for. Um, And then in the second half, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the Nuggets fans at the end of the game getting super spicy. uh, And uh, I liked it. So uh, we're going to be kind of, that's the rundown for this show. Um, Last night was interesting. Jamal Murray didn't have it. um, And uh, this was completely predictable. Jamal, this is the Jamal pattern. He has a great game and then a terrible game, a great game, and the terrible game. That's just the Jamal Murray experience. But his presence out there made a difference. And I think the the you know, Kenny Smith on the TNT uh, post game was would, summed it up correctly. That he said that even the fact that Jamal was out there made a huge difference. Um, it, it it really was a part of the reason why. Say, say like, look at it this way. Um, one of the reasons the uh, the Suns never really had to adjust anything in the, the previous series two years ago was uh, the fact that it was just Jokic and it was Jokic, Will Barton, a, a, a not quite there, Aaron Gordon, um, Austin Rivers, Facundo Campasso. It just it, it just they didn't they knew going into it that the Nuggets didn't have the requisite counters. Um, and, and Porter at that time was uh, got injured in the first game and wasn't the same the rest of the series. So really what you saw in the last series is not analogous to this one because Jamal's there. And, and one of the things that I always tell people about EMBA is that you need to give teams something to think about in the playoffs. And sometimes they just don't, I mean, if you don't have things for them to counter or think about, they are going to do what they do and out execute you. And, uh, through most of the nineties, that's what just simply what the bulls did. Cause they were just so much better. All they had to do was just do their thing. They never worried about anything else. There's enough parody in the league right now to where they, a, a guy like Jamal Murray, um, who is a 16 game player, as we discussed in the last podcast, um, there was there's just his mere presence out there and what he did in the first game made the the Suns have to account for him and what it did was it kind of it mucked up the game um Jamal missed a ton of open shots and this is just that's the Jamal Murray experience you're not going to uh take that you know you have to take the good with the bad with Jamal um but the fact that he was out there made a difference and that then there's a reason I bring that up Michael Porter Jr. did not have a good game uh, offensively. He was he was good defensively, but he, he just he just was off all game. And uh, Michael Malone sat him in the fourth quarter. I'll get to Malone in the last part of this first segment. But it was it was clear that Mike didn't have it, and uh, it just it, he, the he wasn't doing enough offensively for things to not be mucked up anymore. 
Um, and that is a distinction. It's not always going to be like that with Mike. Um, it just was one of those nights he didn't have his shot and Phoenix didn't have to account for him. And when Mike kind of gets into a, my offense sucks mode, he just doesn't, he doesn't do anything else on offense, uh, but he was still participating on defense. And I think he had like five rebounds and he only played 20 something minutes. Um, so obviously that was a part of the factor too. So you really had Jamal and Mike being basically non-factors. Um, and, but what Phoenix did and what made Denver special, and some of this has to do with the Chris Paul injury, but, um, in the third quarter is where the wheat was separated from the chaff, so to speak, because the, the Suns built up an eight point lead, um, with Chris Paul out there. The line of demarcation was not the Chris Paul injury. Um, the Suns managed to maintain an eight point lead after, uh, after Chris Paul left, but it was only, it was inevitable. And I think everyone in the arena knew it was inevitable that the Nuggets would reel them back in. Um, some of that was because of their own defense uh, on uh, uh, Kevin Durant. And another, some of it has to do with the fact that Booker, as I pointed out in the last, in the last podcast, Booker and Durant are out there a lot. And the role players on the Phoenix Suns are not tremendous. And they're certainly not to what Denver's playing right now. And um, that is coming clear the more you get into it. The Nuggets were able to sub in Bruce Brown for MPJ and put a defensive, largely a defensive unit out there uh, and uh, be, were able to get stops enough to where it didn't, the poor offense wasn't going to be a factor. Um, sometimes you put a defensive unit out there and the team just, the other team just like, okay, we can outlast them because we can score and we know we're a better offense than they are defense. Uh, and this was a case where, where in this case, the Nuggets were able to get out there with uh, Christian Brown and, uh, Bruce Brown and, um, and, and the likes of those guys at KCP who hit some huge shots in this game, um, and really wear them down. And I, I want to, I'm going to come back to that. You know, fact here. The issue the Suns have is not that Chris Paul is injured. He yes is a blow to them. Whether Chris Paul was the is there or not, they have their math problem is not three point shots versus two point shots. Their math problem is forty five minutes versus thirty something minutes. And by that I mean Booker and KD play having to basically play the entire game. And that is going to be true whether Chris Paul's in the game or not. And if we're going to boil everything down in this first two games, you're going you saw that. And specifically in the fourth quarter, uh, um the Nuggets played some swarming defense, but you could see both Booker and Durant hit a wall. They just hit a wall. And this is going to be a factor, whether it's in Phoenix or in Denver. The amount of minutes you play, even though it's a shorter season, so to speak, with the playoffs, the amount of minutes you play accrues. And with Durant, who is in his mid-30s, it's it's accruing at a faster rate than it would Devin Booker. Devin Booker looked much better last night. He was getting to his spots and hitting shots. 
But even he hit a giant brick wall in the fourth quarter. A lot of that had to do with the Nuggets defense, but a lot of it had to do with the amount of minutes they played. Some of that is strategy. Some of that is strategy. The Nuggets know that their role players aren't to what the Nuggets role players are. So if you bludgeon them to death with Nikola Jokic, it's going to tire them out. If you if you outgun them with Jamal Murray, it's going to tire them out. These are the things that are factors. Yes, Chris Paul being injured is going to make a difference for the Phoenix Suns, but it's not the deciding factor. The deciding factor, as I pointed out, it's not Paul being injured. It is, and specifically in this game, as I said before, they maintained that eight-point lead, or seven to, it was about a seven to eight-point lead, after Chris Paul left, it was another two minutes, and then you could just see them hit a wall. And the accumulated accrued minutes got to them. Now, I think they're going to benefit from the three-game gap here going into game three. Three-day three, three day gap, not three-game gap. They're going, to, they're going to benefit from this gap between the second game and the third game. It's not till Friday. Uh, by the way, I have a special guest with me on Thursday to preview game three. Um, but you know, obviously that, that's going, that is a part of this conversation here is that, um, there is much as we talk about, um, matchups and all this stuff, which is generally what playoffs are about. The part of the matchups is if you are having to play your starters, basically all game, it's going to catch up with them. And the Nuggets strategy, and a wise one at that, is to just wear them out, whether the Nuggets are up or whether the Nuggets are, in the case in the third quarter, behind. There was inevitably going to be a point where the Suns hit a wall. And whether Chris Paul was out there or not doesn't make a difference. The wall was going to be hit. And I think that was part of the Nuggets strategy. Okay, i got to get to Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic was sublime, really good controlled the game, was one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen from Nikola Jokic. I still say Game 7 against the Clippers in the bubble was probably the best all-around game I've ever seen from him, and he only scored 16 points in that game. But it was a masterful, absolutely masterful per- performance from him, and it controlled a game in a way that I just I, I don't think I've ever seen before. This was a close second. He, he, he really pulled the strings in this game and you knew that he knew that he could just bludgeon them and I think that had less to do with Jamal I think the plan as you could tell from the beginning the plan was to get Nicola going I think the Nuggets knew that this they the Suns would change up their coverages to double him less and if that that personal I feel bad for DeAndre Ayton who's who's a who's a good player but um, he's not good enough to just constantly do one-on-one. Um, you know, I got a lot of crap from people for saying that uh, this Nug- these Sun series will probably be easier for Nikola. Um, and it's because they don't have two bigs. They don't have Gobert and uh, uh, Towns. And one of the reasons, um, if you go back in history, Nikola Jokic struggled against those Utah teams that had... Um, Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, and those two that really got got him. That uh, he struggled against those lineups until he figured him out. You know, with Nikola, he always figures it out eventually. But they were able to get keep him basically 
completely occupied with two bigs. And that's what the, the wolves did. So it was going to be easier coming into this with with uh, a situation where the, the, the sons do not, well, first of all, they don't have the depth, but they don't have the quality of two bigs, right, that the, the wolves did. So it was always going to be, quote unquote, an easier matchup for Jokic in that sense. Obviously, the Suns are a better team than the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Jokic just in the first game, 24 points and 19 rebounds, didn't really need him to score that much. Um, in game two, 39 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. And a performance where he was just controlling everything. And and I think I think people misunderstand his efficiency as him not wanting to uh, hurt his own efficiency, you know, during a regular season, not taking that many shots. Some of this people need to understand there's a there's just a this is just the regular season kind of thing with Nicola. And I don't need to do what I do in the playoffs with him, but some of it is just, it's not what the, the, the game needs at that point in time. And Jokic uh, was able to masterfully navigate this whole thing, put on one of the best performances of his playoff career in a big stage against a good team who couldn't do anything about it because of the way they were uh, uh, covering him. And then to, to be quite honest with you, Jokic's goal is to get his teammates involved, but he knows when to turn it on. And he, he talked about in his uh, post-game presser. He just knows. So, true superstar, folks. This is what you want. And um, on a night when Jamal didn't have it and Mike didn't have it and you really needed role players and Nikola to step up, I mean, look, the Nuggets scored 97 points and he scored almost 40 of those 97 points. And it kind of reminded me of that uh, Game 7 against the... Uh, um, against the Jazz in the bubble where Jokic had 30 and the Nuggets scored 80 or something like that. And it was insane stuff like that. Uh, finally, in this segment, I want to get to Michael Malone. Uh, this has been a great playoffs for him. Uh, probably his best stretch of coaching. Um, Malone uh, hasn't gone into his tunnel vision. He hasn't panicked. Um, there's a level of confidence to Malone in these playoffs that I have not seen from him previously. Um, but the most important thing for me with Malone at all times is his, his, he hasn't got into the whole Stan Van Gundy master of panic thing. And that, that, that has been a tremendous development here. You can see the confidence in him. You can see that he knows that he's got things mostly figured out. Um, he doesn't have to make in-game decisions, which are not his forte. So, or in, in game adjustments other than, you know, benching Mike for half the third and all the fourth. Okay. Um, that was going to be something that was always, uh, it's, it's part of his discussion. It's part of him, him as a, as a coach, but the confidence with which he's coaching and the, um, the ease of which he is getting into all these situations is, is amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing to me. Uh, best stretch of coaching of his career. Kudos to Michael Malone. I, I give you nothing but praise for this. Uh, 
Um, and I know people are like shocked at this, but I do praise Michael Malone when he de- when he deserves it. So, all right. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about Denver Nuggets fans, folks. Yes, Nuggets fans at the end of the game, uh, doing something that I really, really uh, both respected and kind of dug as someone who has been a longtime fan of the Nuggets uh, for most of his life. So anyway, I will uh, uh, be taking a break right now, and I'll talk to you about the Nuggets fans after this. Nuggets in four, Nuggets in four, Nuggets in four. That was the chant that erupted at the end of the game. Um, that was pretty, I, 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 I heard it on the broadcast. And the people on TNT, who TNT's had a rough, the, the in-game broadcast has been a bit rough, first with Grant Hill. Um, and, I mean, Spiro Dita's, God bless him, trying to, gas up uh booker every time he shot and then gas up Jokic every time it, it was his 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 grasp of the tone of the of the game was a little off <laughs> i would put it to you that way but at the end they were able to to capture the nuggets in four chant that erupted and i think what i liked about this is simply the nuggets really haven't had a rivalry since the jazz in the 90s and that was only a brief time because the Nuggets were dog shit in the 90s, as we all know. Um, the Nuggets, even when Carmelo got here, didn't really have a rival. And it was very bizarre. The, the Nuggets have always occupied a very strange place in the NBA. And if you look at a map of uh, the NBA cities, the, Denver is very isolated from everyone else. I mean, Utah is closer to the West Coast and easier travel to the West Coast than Denver. Denver is, occupies a very strange place in the in the NBA. There's no natural geographical rival. You could make an argument that it's, it was at Utah, but, I mean, the Utah rivalry has been fits and starts. Um, the Nuggets needed a true kind of angsty rival. And I think the, the Suns and Four guy in 2021 at least for the, from the fans' perspective, provided the, the Nuggets community with the enemy they needed. Sometimes it, a, a enemy is something that, that it's something we need. Uh, and, and, I, and I hate putting it, to, putting it to you that way because I'm not a... Com- I mean, I don't know... You know I mean, a lot of you who you don't know me personally, but I'm not necessarily a very competitive person. I, I, I am very go-with-the-flow. Always have been my entire life. That's just the way I operate. But the Denver Nuggets' um, lack of rivals, I think, has kind of hurt them. I mean, you could make an argument it was Portland, um, a for a couple years, but Portland is like another team like Denver is that they're in kind of just in general likable. They, I mean, having Nurkic there and doing the, you know, have a nice summer thing that, that really pissed people off and, you know, that gin things up for a couple years, but this, the, the, the Blazers aren't exactly natural rivals of the Denver Nuggets. Um, there are cities in the mountain West um, it's, uh, Utah and it's Phoenix and, and, and Phoenix isn't necessarily part of the mountain West, but they, they, they straddle the time zone, so to speak. Um, and it is, it is, 
It is good for the Nuggets to have a regional regional rival. I mean, you saw it with the uh, the the Warriors and the Kings in this last first series. Obviously, it was influenced by the Kings' first appearance in the playoffs since 2006, and that really helped to gin things up. But the proximity with 90 minutes from each other had a tremendous amount to do with it. You know, I don't necessarily think think Warriors fans think of the Kings as a rival, but their proximity kind of gins that sort of whole thing up. Because of Denver's isolation, there's not really a natural thing here. I mean, even Oklahoma City's five hours away. Salt Lake City's five hours away. Um, Phoenix is 11 hours away. You know, it's it's Denver's very isolated. But, long story short, the, the Suns and Four guy really triggered something in Nuggets fans. And you could tell the Nuggets fans were waiting for the Suns. They were waiting for the Suns. And I have not seen that since the 90s. Since the Nuggets were having to play the Utah Jazz and everyone was yelling about uh, John Stockton being the dirtiest player on the planet or Carl Malone throwing elbows and, uh, you know, getting really angry at the fact that they had Mark Eaton and who just stood there. Uh, and they, they, you know, this just Jeff Hornacek setting moving screens and, and undercutting guys. It, it, there was just, the Nuggets have missed this. And I'm not saying that this is a start of a new rivalry, but I am saying that it was the gift from heaven. And I think the Nuggets players, from my perspective, when Jamal in the first game says we are ready for this, I, I, I suspect that he was thinking of him missing that Phoenix series and how easily the, the uh, Suns took care of them, plus the Suns and Four guy. And how celebrated he was due to our internet culture, which latches onto these things. And I think that if you look at this in a holistic manner, this is good for the Nuggets and it's good for the Suns and it's good for the NBA. It's good for the NBA to have this sort of thing. The Nuggets have always been kind of, as I've pointed out on many a podcast, the Nuggets are, it's not that they, they're disliked, it's that no one cares. And it's been a they've occupied a frustrating niche in the NBA as the outlier team in the middle of the country next to the mountains having the nuggets fans chant nuggets in four nuggets in four and remembering that shit because look with the way modern society has evolved people have the memory of gnats they just they don't they don't remember things and that's why that's why it's harder to gin up rivalries is because people just move on to the next thing our our, our attention spans are a lot shorter now uh, myself included but having people remember that and remember how they felt with the guy slugging that other guy and saying sons and four and him being celebrated like that I think that that is so awesome to me you know. And, and look, the Suns are going to come out and, and just throw... If you thought they threw everything against the wall to, uh, uh, to, uh, in Game 2, I, think of what they're going to do in Game 3 back home in Phoenix. They are going to try to bury the Nuggets early and prove a point. 
and they'll have three days off to scout the Nuggets, practice, and do what they do. So this shit ain't over, folks. But, but what the Nuggets have proved is that they are at, they are more than up to the task. And then in the fourth quarter of Game Two, the Nuggets were like, "Yeah, we'll just we we saw your best punch. Yeah, Chris Paul's not out here, but this is what we're going to do. You're only going to score 14 points in the quarter." Booker and and uh, Durant missing five collective shots and looking like they couldn't get over screens. You know, it was like, all right, we'll just, we'll see you at the end is what it was. It was, was, we'll see you at the end. We'll see you in the fourth quarter. There was a confidence with the nuggets that you hadn't seen in a long time. And this comes from being fully healthy. And it comes from a, a, a expectation among the fans that they can get this done. I don't, I, I don't collectively. I don't think I've, 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 felt like this since 2009 and even then it took till they beat the Mavericks for people to fully get on board and then Nuggets fever just overtook the city of Denver Um, this is very very much a we know we're good and I kind of love it I kind of love the spiciness of the Denver Nuggets fans I love the fact that people remembered the Suns and Four guy all of that is good for the league it's good for the league for the Nuggets to have a rival. And to be not just the outlier team in the middle of the country. This Denver Nuggets team is is going a long way to prove that they belong in the conversation. From the disrespect and the flat-out ignoring from ESPN to the atrocious, atrocious MVP conversation. By the way, check out the last Bill Simmons podcast. I don't usually promote other podcasts on this podcast, but um, check out his part two on on uh, with this uh, featuring the Nuggets conversation with Ryan Rosillo. It's right at the beginning. It's a great conversation and that whole thing. And they talk about the MVP stuff and uh, some of the things that happened to them based on their vote last year. So it's been interesting to talk about. So anyway. I, I, I'm jazzed. I, I can't wait for game three. Um, once again, Nuggets fans, prepare for the Phoenix Suns to throw absolutely everything they could possibly get at the Denver Nuggets. It's desperation time. You go down 3-0, uh, history's proven they ain't coming in. There is nothing. You cannot come back from 3-0 down. So, all right, folks. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. I'll be back uh, on Thursday with a very special episode with a very special guest. Goodbye. Goodbye.